What do CEOs need to know about sales these days? A lot. Outdated sales strategies and tactics plague most companies today. Listen to what innovative CEOs and experts have to say about how to change all that with Sales Talk for CEOs. I am excited today because I got to meet the guy who created over 1 billion in revenue pipeline across 1200 organizations. That's amazing. Welcome, Kevin. You are the founder of Leadium, and I can't wait to hear your story. It is great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we had a really great chat before we even started recording, so we're going to get some of that into the conversation today. Uh, all right, so Leadium, sounds like you do something with leads, I'm guessing, and I know everybody listening out there really would like to have more leads today. Uh, our salespeople just simply aren't having enough conversations. And we know that the only way we can get more sales is when salespeople do have conversations. So tell us a little bit about Leadium. What do you do? Yeah, at Leadium, we are, the easiest way to put it, a sales development outsource agency. So we are engaged by clients to come in and figure out their top of funnel. How do we build the SDR function, but reduce their risk by not having to hire SDRs and bring on technology and figure out data? How can we do that all very programmatically for them and in turn deliver you know, qualified leads? So uh, the goal is to to build an in-house caliber sales development function. So the same practices, principles, strategies, approaches, high quality aspects of it, but by doing it outsourced. Wow. And it sounds like your company will provide everything. So you, you talk to the uh, CEO, find out what kind of leads they need to generate, and you build the lists, you even do the messaging. Yeah, we put it, it's five pillars, really. One is strategy. Strategy is all encompassing. What market segments are you targeting? What buyer personas within those segments? Uh, do you already have messaging figured out? Your go-to-market messaging figured out for each one of those segments? Um, do you already understand your close ratio for each one of those segments? So there's a lot that plays into the strategy aspect of Outbound. Uh, we are doing the data sourcing. We have an in-house data team based in our Ukraine office with one of my co-founders who, it's more data curation today, so data is very accessible um, across platforms, across channels, but it becomes, well, how do I find the exact people we need, yeah. enrich it with the data points, make sure the deliverability is good, uh, content, uh, the tech stack as well. So things yeah. like Apollo.io, as well as the day-to-day in sales, the day-to-day -day activity. So the emailing, the calling, the LinkedIn, acting as that SDR function. Well, I know firsthand many, many companies who have failed miserably at creating a productive SDR team. And so I am a big believer in outsourcing. And there are a lot of companies out there that will outsource, but I know that some deliver better than others. And yes. so that's an important thing for people to note. So we'll come back to giving a little advice on how yeah. to choose a great outsourced SDR team in a minute. Uh, what I really want to do is take you back to nine years ago when yeah. you started Leadium. And I know that you had never done sales uh, in your past. You have a long and winding road to get where you are that did not include sales, which um, is true for, for many founders. But tell us, what were you doing just before you started Leadium? And why did you get the idea? You're thinking, oh my gosh, 
people need this. I'm going to start this. Or was it just kind of an accident? No, yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit of you're in the right place at the right time. I mean, the couple of years before it, I mean, from you know uh, Capitol Hill working in politics to, to in 2012 and 13 and 14, getting into Y Combinator and tech startups, working on the product side. I think the epitome of why get started in sales was I was always on product customer success, and you saw this need of who cares how good of a product you built, who cares you know what amazing things you can do if you don't have sales. I think you see this on Shark Tank all the time. It's, hey, what are the sales? Who cares what you developed? Who cares how amazing you think it is? What are the sales? Because sales right. tells you, hey, you actually have something that solves a problem that people are willing to pay for and use. And that's kind of that that epiphany that got me out of customer success and into sales. It just happened to be at the right time that in this 2014, 13, 14 time period that sales tech was starting to slowly take off. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there was a few of us co-founders who saw, hey, we, we're not tech people, right? I'm a customer success person. I'm a product yes. person. I'm not yes. a tech. I can't develop code. I don't know what code is. Um, but what if we become one of the primary agencies that utilizes tech, who understands how it all works, who understands the data side of it, and can start to create this outsourced agency world and really play the tech world in that aspect. And, and that's just what we tailored to do. Yeah, and, and that's interesting because there are a lot of tools out there now yeah. and many people don't know how to use them. So having someone who is expert at it to use them and do the job is really important. How did you come on to the messaging side of it? So we know that that's part of the problem. A lot of these companies have these tools that will automate things, but we're just automating really bad messages to go out more frequently and really spam up my inbox, you know? I know. So messaging is, is I think it's, it's, it's the nine years of buildup of experience. It's crazy to think that if you're doing outbound for the first time, most SDRs are 22, 23, 24 right. years old. And if a company says, hey, just figure it out, of course they don't know. They don't know. When I got my first job, I didn't know how to write an email. I had to get coached with my colleagues on how to write a business email, let alone be prospecting and trying to sell a company. Yeah. So what we've been fortunately able to see is this change in messaging from one year to the next to the next. And as an agency, inherently what we have to do is be front thinkers of where is the market going to. If, yeah. you're, if you're using a marketing strategy today, we've already stopped using it. Because if you're using it, it doesn't work anymore. Right. And so we started to do that. And then, of course, in 2022, 2023, what you start realizing is, hey, you're actually prospecting to a human right to the human behind <laughs> oh, it. Oh, pause right there. I'm sorry. You said what? What? I'm prospecting to a human? I know. It's a crazy thought. I, I, don't, I don't get it. And that was partly the automation tools and where they went wrong is it just became so easy to, to send. And yeah. a lot of sales teams measure KPIs based off of activity, not revenue, but actual activity. Did you do enough emails, enough phone calls, enough, enough? Um, where really you start to learn, hey, you can actually you consume media differently. You consume yeah. email differently than phone and you consume differently than I do. The words, right. you know, on the, we like different books. We read differently. Our reading styles are different. So you can't just one size fit all. And that's really on the messaging, what you need to kind of hone in on and how it all layers back to your kind of market segments that you're targeting. Well, you know, years ago, and I, I've talked about this before on the show, 
when I was young, which was a long, 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 long time ago, the, there was no internet and people who bought things had to talk to me to get information. Right. right? And I had to provide some sort, we used to call them slicks, you know, of some sort of collateral. I had to hand it to them or mail it to them. There was no other way to get it yep. there. Uh, so they could read about my company, my products and my services, right? It wasn't about them because I didn't have the internet to learn about them, right? I, if I had a phone call, I could learn, but then maybe my letter might be a little bit about them or my conversation, but everything I sent them was all about me. And unfortunately, somehow we brought that into the future with us, right? And so when we started to automate email messaging or even started using email messaging, we did the same thing. It's like, hey, this is all about me. Here you go. And yeah. that's the way buyers were used to it. Then here comes the internet, right? With all this information and buyer behavior starts to change, but we're still sending, hey, it's all about me and right. it's not working. And so then we get these automation tools and start sending out bazillions of messages about me, my products, my services, how great I am. And people are just like clicking them off, right? And it's not working. So um, we've learned, right? That we it has to be all about them and it has to be, tailored to them to some degree, at least to their industry and to their title and get a message to them that's intriguing, that right. gets them curious enough to actually want to have a conversation with one of our salespeople. So um, it's, it's really great to hear that your company has been advancing that. Yeah. And really where you see outbound sales specifically on top of funnel lead gen is you're seeing it merge back into more of a marketing function. It is programmatic. Yes. How well do you know your market segments and your buyers within those market segments? Because yes. a lot of times you don't, you don't need to overthink it's tailored to, to them. If you segment well enough, you know, you can assume that they all share a common problem. And now right. if you just speak to that problem well enough, it comes across very personal because inherently if you're running a business and you're the cmo of x size company doing this right. and that you have a problem that we solve we built a product that solves a problem so yeah. i need to speak to that and if i reach out to other cmos and similar companies as yours it's personalized enough to be that segmented it's the same as i i equate it to digital ads like an instagram ad Mm -hmm. Nike doesn't know, like Nike groups, 18 to 25 year olds, they know their market so well in Southern California versus Miami versus, you know, New York, they can adjust the headline, the graphic, the call to action specifically to those demographics and those, you know, social aspects of their demographic where they don't know that I don't like this or that, or that I'm not looking for new shoes, but they know us well enough that they can tailor it all. That's where you're starting to see outbound, really see personalization. It all comes to kind of segmentation today. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. All right. So you start the company, you, you're yes. like, okay, we're, we've got, we've mastered these tools. We're going to go ahead and do this work for companies. At that point, you had mastered the messaging to some degree, as you said, it's always changing. So that's important to note. So it was you and Wow, a couple other people. Do you have a co-founder? Yeah, that, I have a co-founder uh, here at Leadium. Um, a, a couple of us. We actually, in 2013-14, we started a company called Science. 
Uh, we worked with science for two years. Our model there, and that's where we really saw this, hey, let's become an agency that can utilize all of this outsource stuff. Yeah. And our belief and you know, the whiteboard message you have when you start a company was, well, let's create the McDonald's conveyor belt of outbound yeah. sales. And that's how do you build an agency? It has to be rinse and repeat. Anything that's brought on is rinse and repeat. What we found out, my co-founder and I, two years in is you can't rinse and repeat sales like you can in marketing where, you know, blogs are blogs. SEO is SEO. Right. It's very process oriented. Um, in sales, every company is at a different stage of their go to market. They all evaluate, you know, ROI differently. Um, and so that's where it becomes, well, you have to be more consultative. Each company is measuring our success differently then we need to adopt how we do outbound in accordance with how you are going to measure you know your campaign success and so that's when we left to create Leadium to just be a little bit more boutique so leaving a you know 10 to 20 million dollar revenue business to really focus on hey let's just stabilize in this three and a half to four and a half million dollar business and just have a closer consultative approach with our clients yeah, I love it. So were you doing all the selling in the beginning? No, I actually wasn't. So I was focusing. It's a it's a weird world because inherently I was. I was overseeing all of the campaign management. Um, none of us were familiar with sales. So we thought, oh, let's bring in a salesperson who's not on the founding team. And let's just hand it over because I don't have sales experience. And we focused on campaign management. Now, our product is sales. So inherently I was overseeing outbound campaigns and setting appointments and following up with clients around revenue and are they closing the deals? And slowly after the first year that became, okay, it's time to shift into sales because now we are product experts after two or three or four years. So now we need to sell our expertise. And that's where we went back into a founder led sales approach and I took over all sales, which I am still largely involved in today. Oh, I love that. So how did that go when you hired somebody to do sales and just sort of thought, oh, I know nothing about sales. I'll just let this person do it. Yeah, I'll tell you the, especially like framed as an agency owner, it becomes expectation. So we've gone through multiple iterations of growth at our company where you say, okay, let's bring in, if I just hire the right person there, I can take that off my plate and I can focus right. on this, especially when you're doing a founder led agency and so much of your time and resources is, is put across the board. And what we found was, yes, sales uh, happened. One is we were early in the market. We didn't really have to reach out for our deals. They were knocking on our doors. Uh, very fortunate in that and that we got in early enough and there was just a high demand for outbound at yeah. the time. Um, but what we found was we weren't able to deliver the product or the deliverable in accordance with what was being sold from a sales mindset. And that is the wrong expectations where we're focused on, you know, appointments being set instead of ROI, where we're right. focusing on activity metrics instead of quality of, of activity <laughs> metrics. Right. And that becomes hard equation in sales because the person, the sales team is inherently focused on a lot of times their compensation packages and compensation right. packages happen to do with closed one deals. And oftentimes, and I've been, I've been on the customer success side, customer success managers aren't compensated for the longevity of clients, even though the success of a client has more to do with the, the program team 
and the product versus the sales rep. But a lot of, especially enterprise sales reps, making commissions years after a close and a sale, it's it's a, a weird environment versus the product team who's actually leading the adoption and execution. Um, so that's when we had that, okay, I think I need to step back in and sell properly to align with what we're actually delivering. Yeah. Yeah. It's not unusual for uh, founders and you know, co-founders who haven't come from sales to think the first thing we have to do is hire somebody who knows sales and get them yeah. going. And it does work to some degree, as you mentioned, right? But founder-led sales to me is just simply the best. I mean, you have this entrepreneurial enthusiasm that's driving you. You understand the product. Yes. You understand the why. You know what, what, what you can bring to a company and how you can change their world yeah. and make it so much better. And no one can express that better than you. And. I mean, we get a lot of clients who come to us who are, you know, founder led, who need sales, whose founders aren't used. It's a tech forward, you know, founding team. So the coding team, the engineering team are the founders. They don't have the sales experience and they think that it's a magic bullet. Sales is not a magic bullet. <laughs> we oftentimes say, hey, there's a chance we book zero appointments. Um, but that's just because we you you don't know if you're a good product market fit here yet for the right. industry you're having us target. Um, and I often say, as a founder, you should have, you should be able to, if you're not booking an appointment with your target market, with a product and a baby that you built that solves a problem that you're so intimately knowledgeable about, it's not just something you can hand off and say, well, you guys figure it out. Yeah. And really what we can do and what a sales team can do is model out the sales a founder is doing. So, hey, how is the founder having those conversations? What are you talking about on those sales calls? Why did people start to pay you money? Okay, now we can model that out because that's the go-to-market messaging we needed to figure out. Yeah, that is exactly right. And I think that's the beauty in having the founders do the sales in the beginning. And if they're smart, right? They write down what they did. Yeah. They write down what worked. They write down what didn't work. And those first salespeople they hire, they just stay with them all day long, every day and let them yeah. watch and get them to see, this is how I do it. You may do it a little bit differently, but I want you to see how I'm having success. What is working? What words I use? What stories I tell? Right. How I listen to the customer? Um, you know, just all of the things how I guide the customer through the decision-making process and let those salespeople really soak that in from the founder. They become such better salespeople if that yeah. can happen. So it's, it is truly amazing. And I mean, so, for one of those points for us, when you think about how did we lead sales from day one, because we were in a competitive space to a new competitive space for us. Um, one thing we always said was, hey, we have to have a brand that's going to lead the way because it's a competitive market. People are giving us money. If we're on a sales call and they're evaluating two or three or four different product options or solutions, do we really need this? We have to have a brand that says this is what it is. And our when we started Leadium, our battle cry and still one we use today is we are the Deloitte in the room. And that means if you think about outsourced sales companies, you probably get a hundred email. Everyone gets a hundred emails from a hundred different like pop-up sites that have click funnel websites. And our battle choir was, Hey, 
if you're going to take a call, you're going to be evaluating. We show up with briefcases and suits, and we drive the confidence that we know what we're doing. Like, we don't care about the people. Like, it's easy to start a marketing agency. It's easy to start an agency. So we had to build the brand. And by building and focusing on that brand, we actually developed it around what our clients were telling us they were caring about the most when they chose to move forward with us. Love that. Okay, so you you hired salesperson, then you went back to founder-led yeah. sales. Where did it go from there? So how did how long did you do founder-led sales and what did you learn that helped you start building to where you are today with your sales organization? Yeah, it's a, a double edge and I'll get to the end of it because we still are founder-led sales. We now again have a sales rep who handles all of our discovery and post calls and the pipeline and the pipeline management. So we have uh, two people who kind of handle that core function. Um, I'm on any closing call. So for us, we still say, hey, we need to partner with the right clients. And uh, you also need to know that we are boutique. So I have to still come in and that's what you were saying. That is our product. So I can't remove myself completely from it if that is the messaging we're putting forward. So it's an unfortunate side, but I can automate and manage with the, the sales team all of the other steps before then. Uh, but before we got to there, we did scale it. We grew to four sales reps. Um, so after I went back to founder-led, uh, we then said, okay, well, now we, we want to scale back up. So now you're having these competing thought processes as a business owner of, okay, we're back in a good spot. Let's scale the operation again. Let's go to 10 million in revenue, right? Because right. if you can normalize 4 million, and this is true amongst tech agencies, whatever it is, if you can normalize 4 million in revenue, suddenly you say, oh, it's been a year, 4 million is good, but why not 10 million? Why not 20 million? And then you start to say, well, we learned from the last time. Let's do it differently. And so that's what we did. We hired reps. We scaled up. We built a 100-person office in the Dominican Republic. Uh, we started to grow the operation. But then what we noticed on the backside was quality was diminishing again on the mm. service side. And so we were churning clients more because we weren't involved as a founding team. The relationships weren't there. And it was impacting what I had just touched on, the brand. And as soon as we saw that the brand was being tarnished in one way or another, we said, hey, we need to hit the repeat. The brand is what we are. Um, and so that's when we went back to founder-led after COVID in 2021, 2022, and now where we are in today's iteration, which is quasi-founder-led and quasi um, has a sales team running you know, the top of funnel as well as through the opportunity pipeline. So I don't need to be on discovery calls and follow-up and contract negotiations. However, I can involve myself in almost having a conversation, but at the same time, at the back of my mind, qualifying a client on, do we think that they're going to be good for us? Nice. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a really efficient way to sell because... You've got the things that can be automated, automated and done by a person who, you know, can do them very well. And you come in at the point where you need to come in. And I always say that the CEO has a role in sales, right? but that role will change as the organization matures, right? Right. And sometimes, you know, we go back and forth. I've talked to some other companies lately who are about your size and a little bigger even that have gone back to founder-led sales simply because it, it, if they have a custom product like you do and they really need to understand the customer well, it's hard to train people 
to do that kind of deep listening and understanding and solving, right? You almost need somebody who's more of a project manager or engineer type, you know, who wants to do that. Um, But there are parts of the sales process that can be done very efficiently by someone who doesn't need those same skills. Right. Exactly right. And so why not do what you do best, right? And let somebody else do the other part and teach them to do it so well that it just feeds you. And these customers come in and you understand them. So the quality, you're able to serve them, the quality is going to be high and they're going to be happy in the end. Exactly right. And I think the way we evaluated it was where even as we moved out of founder led again into this quasi approach, it was where am I being the roadblock to, you know, pipeline (laughs) if I am leading sales calls. And so suddenly that roadblock became contract fault, like writing a contract. Well, of course, I'm, I'm as soon as I'm off that call, great call. They want to move forward, need to send them a contract. Contracts take 15 minutes to write. And at the end of the day, a small task. However, there are more important tasks. There's now an HR question that came up that I have to jump to. And then most CEOs, you're going to have a lot on your plate. And so it takes a while to come back and it might take one day or two days. So you had a great call, great conversation, great relationship being built, but now you're running into roadblocks that you're getting in the way. I will say that the advantage of, you know, always being involved in some way or another, and we deal with a lot of clients whose C-level team are not glued into sales process whatsoever. And I can name them off right now where we struggle in consulting and saying, hey, you're having us do the wrong thing. And they would say, no, this is what this is what the market cares about. And we would say, well, you take a phone call and you listen to them say that, hey, we don't care about this. Like, we don't need this. Thank you anyway. And like, that's the truth. So I think there is a lot of stock in the idea of, listening to how because what we found is every few years the buying cycle changes what customers care about changes what they're thinking about changes so it's good to kind of reset and hear hey how are you evaluating to move forward uh, with me versus another because now i can adjust how we go to a market ourselves yeah that is so important and i agree with you there are a lot of ceos out there that are way too disconnected from the sales process, but more importantly, they're way too disconnected from the customer journey. From hello to I'm your loyal customer. They don't even understand how their customers are finding them today, let alone how their sellers and their subject matter experts and their engineers are helping guide the buyer through their journey. They don't know and understand that. And so that's when we come up with these crazy ideas from these CEOs to make more call cold calls or send more emails or just do more, 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 more when what we need is something much better than ever before that meets the customer where they are. And it's hard, right? So when you run up against these CEOs and you're trying to tell them, Hey, you know, that might've worked 10 years ago or, you know, probably 20 years ago when you were doing it, or it might've even worked five years ago. It just doesn't work today. Period. Flat out doesn't work. So you're just wasting your time and spinning your wheels. So I'm glad that you've got that figured out and uh, staying close to your customers, I think is so important. Now, look, I know the CEOs wear many hats. I'm a CEO also. I run a company. I have a lot to do, but I have to stay close to my customers. That's my number one thing. There's a lot of other things I do that someone else could do better probably than me and I could delegate. But 
listening to my customer and understanding their journey, no one should know that better than me if I'm the CEO. Yeah, it's an, and I've found that as the company's grown and it's been around for so long, the the role of a CEO is so it's so interesting the dynamic between employee and CEO and listening to the customer and taking it back. I, and I think oh, as you were talking, I was thinking of um, DoorDash was a good example, which a few years ago the CEO said, "Hey, oh, it's." it's a rule here that everybody does a delivery every week because we need to see how does the product work? What is our delivery drivers doing? We need to engage with the customers who are doing it. And it actually got a lot of pushback in some circles on, Hey, I'm an engineer. I'm not a delivery person. I don't care about that. And like, it's an interesting pushback because from a CEO perspective, it's no, but no matter what role you have in the company, we should understand what our product does. And I understand it's not your function, but you should understand our customer and the journey yeah. and what they're doing because it has something to do with your job today. And I think you see that a lot, um, which is an interesting, as I've grown into the CEO role of, you do get a lot of, you know, when things are good, it's great. And then when thing, when when people don't understand the world we play in and why we're taking sales calls, and why, because I get it a lot of times, hey, if you're on the sales call, how are you leading this company? And, and it's, hey, that's by choice. It's by design. It's so I can understand. And, and a lot of different roles can't fully understand the value of being plugged into what is actually being said. How are things actually being done? Um, how are your customers actually experiencing the product? Um, but yeah, that's why we still have and will always have a founder-led sales approach in some way or another. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, I love that. So from, you know, growing, growing your company and having lots of leads to start off with, which was amazing, hiring salespeople, growing a big team, yes. and then, oh my gosh, that didn't work. Okay, let's scale back a little bit and kind of deciding what size company you wanted to be, right? And getting the sales just right uh, for that. Where are you going next? So what what have you decided? What is your what is your sales team going to look like in the in the future? And and where are you going? Yeah, no, it's an interesting time because I know you and I were talking just before this and like, hey, the sales market and how it lives. I think we're at the point now, nine, 10 years where we're a very strategic team, a very programmatic approach. And we're analyzing growth on what is the next step? Do we maintain just what we do? and focus on brand and better experience and, and you know, uh, reduce churn even further. So we focus yeah. on reducing churn because if we sign fewer, we have to sign fewer customers to maintain revenue if we lose fewer customers so we can be more selective with customers. Right. So there's a whole advantage to reducing churn. Um, we're also analyzing, do we now go after a strategic exit where, hey, we do marry really well with PE firms who own $20 million marketing agencies who don't have a great sales function, who don't have upsell abilities for their current clients, where they can actually, you know, upsell their current client Rolodex, where you can plug and play RC level management because we're so good at sales and we know this world. Is there a strategic roll up that we can actually pursue because of how we built the company? Um, or do we just do a slow growth like we've kind of done? Um, those are kind of where we look at constantly now, probably every quarter on where, where do we want to focus? Um, right now we like on this call, we do see, Hey, if there is a PE potential, what does that look like? And what's interesting is with each one of those doors, A, B, and C, it dynamically changes how we approach our business. Yeah. Because 
if you want to chase an, an acquisition, which the market's you know ripe for, there's activity in, other companies have been sold, then it becomes, hey, well, we need to increase our revenue because your multipliers are on closed revenue or book revenue versus EBITDA. So your margins, you don't need to protect anymore. You just need more sales. So that's fire up the engines that might have been turned down for a while. Um, if it's maintained, it's the churn game that's focused on client experience. So um, it's it's a weird dynamic that we're kind of evaluating in real time um, here at Lidium. Yeah. Wow. Well, wonderful to have so many choices. That's what yeah. every every CEO wishes. Um, I would be remiss if I let you get off of the show without having you talk a little bit <laughs> about what it's like to generate leads today and why companies are struggling with that so much. So what can you say to all our listeners out no, there, uh, the CEOs and all of those who support CEOs yeah. about lead generation today? Uh, and one of the reasons the, the PE and do you chase an exit is an option that we internalize. It's because uh, it's such a it's such a draining industry as well. And it's draining yeah. for so many reasons. The the uh, goals of what a company might engage or how they engage a sales development team is activity driven, just more. Um, we don't really evaluate it on, you know, close one revenue or quality. We just evaluate on quantity. So that's where you come into, hey, I just get so many emails and they're unpersonalized. Yeah. A lot of founding teams don't care. They just say we need deals at all costs. I don't care. You know, our market's so big, just fire cannons and hope that we get some demand. Um, others are very strategic. And if you think about outbound today and how you need to start thinking about it, I think the sales development rep, that SDR role is going away. I honestly yeah. don't think it will exist into the future. Yeah. It made it, and it didn't exist in 2014, 15 and 16. Back then it was very a growth hacky mindset. How do we use technology? How do we use access of data? How do we combine those and like reach out to our customers the right way? It then changed to a quantity game. And now we're seeing it come back into more of a marketing programmatic approach. Yeah. How do we use technology to segment and optimize and approach the right people at the right time, at the right channel, with the right messaging um, in order to drive a conversion? How do we bring that human element back into it? Uh, and that's accomplishable with, with you know, technology and data and the right campaigns. And so now you're seeing more emphasis put on campaign managers in sales. Uh, what is the open rates, the response rates? How does that change per segment? That, to execute, though, takes a commitment. And that commitment is a lot of times in sales, what people don't want to invest in, they want the immediate. So it's, right. it's a weird, it's weird how a CEO or a C, like a C level team is willing to invest 12 months into SEO with no understanding of if it works or not, just we need blogs because we need to rank higher in Google. And we hope that writing these blogs five times a week will increase it and we'll just continue to pay. And then on sales, it's we don't necessarily care about the strategy. We just need appointments now and not willing to put enough time into actually building a channel that can be very lucrative. Yes. And it does take time. And, you know, for all of you listening out there, that is really something you have to understand. And I think some mindset shifting has to go on with the CEOs and the leadership to understand how the buyer has changed 
and how the tools have changed the way selling happens and the messaging has to change yeah. and that it is just a completely different game now so that yes, humans still make a decision the same way, but you've got to get to talk to a human yeah. to help them make a decision and you're not even getting to talk to them. So you really have to change your ap approach dramatically. Right. It can't just be a small change right now. Everything has to change. You have to relook at um, what, you know, everything that you're doing. And yeah, SDRs have not been effective. Um, they were effective at one time yep. for a short period of time. And very quickly, they became ineffective because no one picks up their phone. And if they do, and they figure out you're selling them something, they hang up immediately. Yes, out of a thousand, you might get one. It's right. true. But that's not fast. If you want it faster, that's not fast. So we just have to stop doing more of what we've been doing. Rethink everything and we have to do better. Yeah. No, that's 100%. And I put uh, on top of that, you have to have a clear, what is it that you're trying to accomplish that's going to drive you ROI? And no matter what you do at that point, if you're driving ROI for how you evaluate it, then there should never be a question. Right. And like for us, that might, let's just say it's Kevin, if your team sets 10 appointments a month, then that's ROI positive. Perfect. If I do that in two weeks, then I don't need to work for the next two weeks because we hit the point of ROI. In sales, that's still not the truth. It's, it's we'll do more. Um, and you don't really know ROI. If you think about an SDR, average tenure is 12 to 13 months within a company. It takes three months to ramp up. Um, that's only if you get a good SDR. Imagine if you made the wrong hire, which you're more likely to make a wrong hire than a right hire. That means you might be in six, seven, eight months of payroll with no production, and then somebody you got to fire. Or even if you don't fire them, they're going to leave in two months. That's right. a huge cost and risk to a company, which is why, sadly, it also becomes an activity driven because how do we measure if it's actually driving value to the organization outside of? the easiest thing to measure, which is impressions. Yeah, it is complex and it does take a smart team of yeah. people to, you know, do demand generation and drive leads in, right? And the outbound to me right now, the best, very best thing you can do if you have, if have sales executives who need to do their own prospecting the outbound should be referral based because mm -hmm. when someone introduces you, you'll get a conversation Exactly right. versus making a hundred dials a day, which they don't even have time to do. So, um, and then having an SDR do it isn't working. We really have got to rethink it. So gosh, I appreciate all of your insights. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yes. Thank you for having me. Great conversation. If you enjoyed the show, please like, and subscribe, and we'll see you next week.